morning. Hallelujah. Come on, stand to your feet in Jesus' name. And go ahead, turn in Colossians in your Bible, the book of Colossians. And we're going to start in chapter number three. And we're going to start at verse number one. Colossians chapter number three. And we're going to start at verse number one. When you get there, say amen. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God, and set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you this morning. Father, first of all, for your presence, Lord. Father, there is nothing else that we'd rather be a part of, Lord, than to experience your presence and your power. And Father, as I stand here this morning, God, I, I recognize the enormity of the task that is before me. But even more than that, God, I see you high and lifted up. And I see, Lord God, that you use vessels like myself to articulate the word of God. And somehow, Father, when it falls, it falls on good ground and it brings forth fruit, some 20, some 30, some 60-fold. But, Father, however you look at it, Father, it is only because of you that we can do what we do. And so as I stand here this morning, God, will you empower me by your Holy Spirit? And, God, will you speak to us what we need in this moment and in this hour? Because, Lord, our hope, and our trust is in you and you alone. We love you and we praise you. And all God's people said amen. 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 Great. You can be seated in Jesus' name. We kicked off a series back a few weeks ago, and it's hard to believe that we are already about three to four weeks away from Easter already, but we kicked off our series entitled The Rising. And we kicked it off uh, by way of recap. We talked about in week one how that the resurrection validated the claims of Jesus Christ. Week two, we had uh, looked at how the resurrection life empowers us to live a life free from the power of sin. And last week, we looked at how the resurrection life gives us victory not only over death, but the fear of death. How do you know that when Jesus got up from the grave that was a resounding victory for all of us, amen, because death could not hold him. And so today, I want to talk about citizenship of the kingdom of God. I want to talk about kingdom citizenship. Now that we have been raised, now that we have been empowered, God has come down to live only inside of us, to empower us and to help us, now we realize that we have victory over death in the grave and we don't have to fear, now we must realize who we are as kingdom 
citizens. How many know that the kingdom life or the Christian life really is about preparation for eternity? I want to say that again. Everything about your life right now, here and today, as a Christian, you are preparing for eternity. Let me give it to you another way. The way that you live your life, the decisions that you make, all the things that you do, you are living right now so then you can live with God and serve him for eternity based on what you did with what he gave you. How many know that as citizen kingdoms, as, as, as citizens of the kingdom of God, how many know that we have rights? <laughs> I, I see I got some work to do. How many know God has brought you out of darkness, he brought you into his marvelous light, right? This is what he did. Thanks be unto God for doing that. But now he has translated us out of the kingdom of God into the kingdom of light. Now, how many know that the kingdom of God and being a citizen of the kingdom, we must recognize that the kingdom has different laws. Everything about the kingdom is vastly different than everything about the world. Can I get an amen on that? How many know that the kingdom of God always contradicts on purpose the things of the world? And so coming into the kingdom of God, we first must realize that we have a brand new life, a brand new lease on life, a brand new perspective. We've been made new. We've been raised from the dead. We have been, we have been brought into a whole new way of life. And how many know, church, it is a good life? And so God has done all these marvelous things for us. I mean, he saved us. He delivered us. He's given us hope. And how many know you ought to be excited about that? And now, he brought us to a point that we can make the most of this life he's given us. We can prepare ourselves to serve him for eternity based on what we offer him today. Can, can, I, can I say this, church? And I say this with a lot of love in my heart. Because I've been saved some 25, 26 years now. And there are a whole lot of Christians walking around who have an identity crisis. God did all these wonderful things for us, and there are still Christians who, even sitting in this room today, really do not know who you are yet. Well, pastor, how do you know that? Because I know by the issues that I deal with and the things that I see. How many ever heard of identity theft? How many know that one of the biggest tricks of the enemy and what he does is he wants to steal your identity? He wants you to fail to recognize who you are in Christ. Anybody ever see The Lion King? That's one of my favorite parts. Anybody remember little Rafiki? And you remember Rafiki slapped, slapped Simba on the head? He said, boom, you don't know who you are. Y'all remember that? There's a lot of Christians. You may be saved. You may be on, the way you're, on your way to heaven, but there's like too many believers who don't recognize who they are. They don't realize what they got in the kingdom. And so you live life still somehow attracted, letting the enemy lure you because he understand the enemy don't want you to, he don't want you to experience God's fullness. How many know that, that Christianity is more than just about going to heaven? Come on, church. Oh, no, no. God is, oh, the devil is a liar. Listen, Jesus said, I came to give you a life and give it to you more abundantly, to the full and overflowing. 
So this life is not just about me just getting to heaven. How many know that God has given me some stuff? He has translated me and he's given me a whole new way of living and he's given me the power to pull it off. Now what the devil want to do is he wants to keep you in bondage. He wants to keep dangling before you and I all the stuff of this world because somehow he wants to convince you that this world is better than what Christ offered you. And how do you know that what Christ gave you, nothing can top it? By the way, you did come out of darkness. The reason you're sitting here because you came out of that in the first place. But yet, you know, the enemy tried to tell you, come on back. And some of us, just like a dog returns to his vomit, we go back. And here's the problem, church, and it confuses everybody because in one sense we're saying that we're children of the king, but we're still living like we're children of the enemy. Oh, y'all working with me this morning. And so we are, we are kingdom, we are citizens of the kingdom of God. And how many know that with that comes privileges and rights? Every kingdom has them. How many know that God's kingdom is an everlasting kingdom? A kingdom that will never have no end. So I want our church, listen, I don't want you to come here every week. I mean, that's why the Bible says you got to study to show yourself approved. You know why you got to study to show yourself approved? You know why you got to dig? Because you need to figure out who you are. Because to the extent that you can figure out who you are, you will have big victory in your life over and over and over again. How many know it's God's will that you win? How many know that Jesus wanted everything he did? Jesus was winning. Yeah, they thought they did. I mean, they couldn't do nothing to him because he was in the will of God. And when you are in the will of God, when you recognize who you are, church, the sky is the limit. So there is a huge shift of power and authority when you understand that you have been translated from the kingdom of God into the kingdom of light. How many know, look at the neighbor and say, there was a power shift. Look at the neighbor again and say, do you realize it? <laughs> Let's look at who we are. I'm just going to give you a few verses to help us to understand who we are as kingdom citizens. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. It says, now, therefore, look at this, church. You are no longer strangers. Talking about you. Put your name there. You are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple. Everybody say holy. See, we don't like to talk about that no more. Y'all know that, don't you? We, we live in a generation that don't like to talk about holy. But how many know God is holy? And as God is holy, he said, be ye what? Come on. Just a few people know that. Be ye what? Okay, let's keep going. Jesus Christ himself being a chief cornerstone in whom the whole building fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Now, here's a couple things you got to understand as I look at that particular verse. First of all, we are no longer hopeless and shut off from the life of God. How many know that's a good thing? Uh, how many of you have had a rough uh, uh, upbringing? 
Come on. I, I, I want to, I mean, I had, I, how many of you had an abusive upbringing? Come on, church. Yeah. See, when we, how many know that when you came into the kingdom of God, now you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of God's household. I don't know what your experience has been. Maybe you've been abused. Maybe you didn't have a great relationship with your mother, your father, your sister. Maybe you grew up in a situation that was terrible, but how many know now, everybody say, but now, you belong in the family of God. God has given you a brand new family. You got new sisters. You got new brothers. How many know God has shifted you and given you and brought you into his household, the household of God? I, I remember when I first came into the kingdom, and I, and I remember days when I used to feel bad about things in my life, and when I got a revelation that, man, God has brought, he's made me part of his family. Wow, boy, that was like, give me, I got a whole nother family. I am a part of God and his household, a part of his family. And I like how this verse says in verse 22, in whom you also are being built together, that's you and me, for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. How many know that God dwells. Get this in your heart. Are you ready for this? God dwells in you. God dwells in you. Okay, let me, let me give it to you this way. The same God that spoke the world into existence, the same God that hung the planets, the same God that created the seas and the mountains, the same God who created all things, that same God lives on the inside of you. We are his dwelling place. Ephesians, uh, Philippians 3.20 says this, for our citizenship, get this church, is in heaven from which also we eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. How many of you are eagerly waiting for him? Our citizenship. I'm a, I'm a citizen of, a, of the United States of America, like almost everybody in this room. But let me tell you something, that, 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 that the, the kingdom, as members of the kingdom of God, how I many know that citizenship trumps every other citizenship? Yeah. See, when the values of this world contradicts with the, with the principles of the kingdom, how I many know we go with the kingdom every time? Because we are, how I many know we got to stop living our lives like this world is all that there is? Too many Christians are stuck in the mud. I mean, literally stuck in the mud. You need to have a revelation like the prodigal son. Remember the prodigal son who was in the pig pen? And he woke up one day and said, hold up, what? wait a minute. How I many know we need to have one of those? Hold up, wait a minute. I'm of the family of God, and God lives inside of me, and I'm a part of his kingdom. How I many know that's a big deal? That is a huge deal. Second Peter, look at this, chapter 2. First, I'm sorry, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Look at this. And coming to him as to a living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious. Look at this, church. You also as living stones, every one of us, are, built, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, how many of you know that when you decide to really identify and embrace your rights as a citizen of the kingdom of God, how many know you're going to have rejection? How many know you're going to be rejected of men? 
Yeah, here's what I need. Here's, can, I, can I say this? How many know that we need to be comfortable? Listen, hear, hear this. You, we need to be comfortable being rejected by men. And let me tell you, because until we get comfortable, if we're always trying to please men, how many know we can never, ever please God? Are, are you hearing me? So, so he says, yes, we're going to be rejected by men, no doubt about it. But, but, but I like what he says here in verse number four in 2 Peter chapter 2. In 1 Peter chapter 2, he says, but we are chosen by God and precious. Look at your neighbor and say you were chosen. Isn't that, isn't that beautiful? You don't have, you're still battling self-esteem issues. You need to realize that you are chosen. If an enemy is trying to get you to commit suicide because nobody loves you, you need to know today that you have been chosen. If you got the blood of Jesus on you, how many know you're chosen? And then I like, I like what he says. And he says, watch this. And we are precious. God said that. How many know if God chose me and God said I'm precious, how many know I'm precious? I don't listen to me. I don't need affirmation from men to make me feel good. I already got it. He already told me I'm precious. He already told me I'm chosen. So look, if you like me, if you want to pat me on the back, cool. But if not, I'm okay because I'm chosen. See, I don't walk around looking for affirmation of men because I know who I am. And when you know who you are, you walk a certain way. Come on, church. When you know who you are, there's a certain way you walk. There's a certain way you talk because you realize that you're special. You're chosen by God. And he did that all because he loves you. Look at this. First uh, Peter chapter two, verses nine and 10. I love this verse. You're talking about who you are, but you are a chosen generation. There it is again, chosen. It's like you want to drive that home because whatever, what is everybody looking for today? Everybody want love, don't they? Everybody looking for love. And God is, God is screaming. He said, you're chosen. A royal priesthood. How many know that you're rich in the spirit realm? And let me say that again. How many know you're rich? You got royalty in your blood. Talking about Christians now. He says, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. There it is again. That, watch this. Now, here's what we're to do. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out. Everybody say, he called me out. Out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. Who had not obtained mercy, but have obtained mercy. How many know that God made us to be praisers? <laughs> Well, Pastor, I don't like the saying. I said God called us to be worshipers. Because he says here, he says we're his own special people. What are we supposed to be doing? Proclaiming the praises of him who called you out of darkness. Whether you sing it or whether you shout it, how many know that we are, a, we are praisers of God? And you ought to come. Let me, let me, let me, and it ought to delight your heart. Every opportunity you got to talk about God's goodness, every opportunity that you have to come into God's presence and worship him. How many know this is home? Worship is home for the Christian. It's what we do. It's a song. I, I mean, praise is what I do. How many ever heard that song? It's, 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 it's who we are. It's what we do. It flows. How many know God has called you out of darkness so you might declare his praises? 
Every Christian, this ain't, so, this ain't for the one that can sing and can't sing. How many know that worship and spiritual life is much more than just about whether you can sing or not? It starts with your life. And how many know whether you declare it or whether you sing it? You are a worshiper. God has called you to be a worshiper. This is who you are. You need to embrace it. Don't run away from it. It's a part of your inheritance. Colossians 1.13 says this. He has delivered us. Everybody say he delivered us. From the power of darkness. So as believers, we've been delivered from the power of darkness. We've been delivered. We've been set free from the power of Satan. We don't have to anymore live according to the dictates of our fleshly nature. Because watch this. Because he has delivered us from the, everybody say delivered. How many know delivered means delivered? <laughs> that means he brought you up out of some stuff. He has delivered us. But here's the problem. You know, I said earlier that when you have an identity crisis, you don't understand that you've been delivered. You know, even though you've been delivered, you can be foolish and go back and do the things you've been delivered from. I heard the sister this morning say God is a gentleman. How many know that God never just super, God don't superimpose himself over your will. He gave you a will because he made you in his image. Y'all hear that? That's a part of who you are. He made you as if, so he gave you your will. You have, create, you have creativity. You can decide. You can think. This is the way God designed you. And if God says you're free, I don't know about you, but when, when, listen, when I got saved, when he said I was free, brother, I got free. And I walked in my freedom. How many know you need to walk in your freedom? You need to walk like you've been delivered. You need to change where you've been. You need to change where you're going. Come on, church. If you want, listen, if you want to be free and stay free, you got to activate some things in your life. You got to change some things. And sometimes you got to change your surroundings. You got to change some people. Because how many know the children are the free? Listen to me, children are the free. They walk in freedom and they position themselves to stay free. Everybody say stay free. Yeah. Because he's delivered us from the power of darkness. So Satan has no power over me. No, the devil did not make me do it. How many know the devil can't make you do anything? If you did it, it's because you made a big old fat decision to do it. The devil ain't make, well, I can't help it. Oh, come on, church. Oh, come on, church. You see how the devil flipped this thing? So that he can keep God's people in bondage. But how many know I'm giving you a word today of freedom? I'm giving you a word today so that you can understand that you are a, ch you are a child of the free. You're, you're a child of God. You're a part of the kingdom of God. And with the kingdom of God, God has given you power. He's given you power to overcome some things in your life. Now, knowing this to be the case, watch this. How then shall we live knowing that we've been free? Knowing that I've been chosen. Knowing that I'm a part of the family of God. Knowing that I'm special. Knowing that he loves me with an everlasting love. Knowing that he's given power. He, he lives on the inside of me. How then should I live? We read this verse at the beginning in Colossians chapter number 3, verse 1, down to verse number 4. Look at this. He says, now watch this. If then you were raised with Christ. Okay? Now let me ask you a question. How many of you have been raised with Christ? All right? Watch this now. He said, now, if, or a better translation would be, since then you were raised with Christ, watch this, seek those things which are what? All right, there it is. All right, what are you seeking? What are you seeking? 
See, what you're seeking will, will give you some insight into what's really important to you. Are y'all still with me? If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is. Watch this. Sitting at the right hand of God. But look at verse number two. Set your mind. Now I like the King James Version because the King James Version says, set your affections mm, on things above and not on things on the earth. See, here's the thing. You got to ask yourself a question. You ever seen somebody who are really, really passionate about sports? Now, just for the record, y'all know I believe that, that if you're a Dallas, I believe a Dallas Cowboys, they're, they're, you know, I believe the, the Cowboys are saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. I believe everything that has to do, anything with the Cowboys is going to go to heaven in Jesus' name. Okay, I just had to throw that there. I got the pulpit. Hey, I can do it. Just sitting there. Just, yeah. so, so anyway, but you ever know that when somebody's really a, a passionate and affectionate, I mean, when they're passionate about something, man, they talk about it. I mean, some of these, some of these brothers, come on, brother. I mean, we can talk about the football player. We can talk about how much he weighed. We can talk about what college he came from. We can even talk about what high school he came from. We can tell you what position he played on the field and every other position. And, and man, before you know it, you're sitting there looking at them. You're like, boy, you, you're really into this thing. But yet then we turn around and we can't talk two seconds about who we are in Christ. But you know all about your sports. You know all about your football team. You know, you know stuff about this individual. You ain't never met him a day in your life. And you know everything about him. Why? Because you're passionate about it. Don't tell me. And when you're passionate about something, you spend your time and, yes, you spend your money into it. Why? Because you love it. I said it before. That's why, hey, listen, no Christian should be upset about giving. Come on, church. You know, uh, can I say this? If you're still struggling with giving money to God, then let me tell you something. <laughs> you got a huge problem. I mean, I mean, this is like, because here's, here's, what, here's what we understand. That, that, that whatever I'm passionate about, I give to it. I serve it. I can come in here right now and I can look at everybody and for a few moments, go look at your checkbook and I can tell you what you are passionate about because your money follows it. And people that get upset about money is because their passion is not where it should be. I know y'all don't want to hear that this morning. That's why people get, that's why people get upset every time you say, and some of you y'all, to see some of your faces, we had this said every week, it's time for the offering. And some of you go, hey. Hey, hey, and, and, and get through that. But the Bible says, set your affections. Because what you're affectionate, affectionate about, you, you, you pour your time into it. You, let me know, if you're affectionate about the kingdom, you spend time into the word. You spend time, you love the word. You're passionate. and you, you delight when somebody come and ask you a question about the Bible because it's where you live. It's who you are. You breathe it every day. It's you. And unfortunately, too many Christians, they get exposed. And we're too many of us are content with just saying, I'm a Christian. Okay, glad you said that. Now what? You follow me. He's a set your affections on things above. So this is how I want to live. I want to live my life. I want to be affectionate. About the things of God. I want, and how many know that you can't develop a passion? You can't, at least, you can't at least sustain a passion until you feed it. 
I know a lot of people, how can I get passionate, Pastor? How can I? You got to feed the thing. If you don't feed it, you won't get no passion for it. I mean, the thing that you are passionate about, why are you passionate about it? Because you're sowing into it. Y'all still love me? Y'all mad at me? All right. Okay, here we go. Some folks didn't like that. Okay, I see. I see. All right. Now, Paul, now watch this. Now, can, can we go a little bit deeper? Y'all still with me? Can we go a little bit deeper? Y'all still there? All right. All right. Here we go. How should we live? Look at this. First Peter chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. He says, now, beloved, I beg you as sojourners. Now, listen, this is how you're supposed to live your life. How many know that as a sojourner, it means a temporary stay? How many know that as a Christian, you ought to be thinking about this life as temporary? You, you're, just passing, you're just passing through. You're not, you know, you, how many know that everybody else lived their life like this is the it for them? Y'all know what I'm talking about? I mean, this is their it and now, and nothing else matters but now. And they say, man, I want to get all I can get because nothing else matters, and they only vest in the now. But how many know, as Christians, we have an opportunity to invest in the kingdom that will be with us forever? Beloved, I beg you. He's begging. Listen to Peter. Peter says, I got, he's got it. He's begging. He says, as sojourners. And pilgrims, right? You're just hanging out. You're just on a, a little journey. Watch this. Abstain. Everybody say abstain. From fleshly lusts. How many know that your flesh is dirty? I'm going to help somebody this morning. I'm going to help somebody. All right. Understand something. I've been saved 20, almost 26 years. Now watch. My flesh is just as bad as it was before I got saved some 26 years ago. What's the difference? I walk in the power of the spirit and I overcome my flesh. Your flesh has ungodly desires. Uh, y'all, don't, y'all don't want to work with me. See, your flesh is always pulling you to do what God don't want you to do. Can I say to you, that's natural. Are y'all hearing that? It's natural. It's natural. See, it's natural. See, people who don't have the spirit of God living down on the inside of them, they don't understand this. But what you and I must understand, it is a natural thing for my flesh to want to do the thing that God said for me not to do. That's why. So what was Peter's remedy? He said, look, I beg you because you're only here temporary and you got work to do because you don't have that much time. How many know that none of us know how much time we really have? Am I right about it? So he said, look, because you know you're only going to be here for a little while and you're preparing for eternity, then watch this. He says, so knowing that's the case, watch. He says, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. How many of you feel this war in your flesh? Come on. I mean, I, mean, you, I mean, if you save, you feel the war. Now, if you don't feel no war then, brother, you need to check yourself before you done wreck yourself because something ain't right with you in the spirit room. Because every Christian, if you're safe, you'll feel this pull and there'll be this conflict down on the inside of you. And, 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 and the origin of that conflict is the spirit of God, and you know it. And it's telling you, don't do it. But your flesh is saying, come on. And your spirit is saying, oh, oh, you know, you know, the flesh is saying, come on over here. And your spirit is saying, no. And your flesh is pulling you and pulling you and pulling you. But he says, here's what you got to do. Everybody say, you got to resist. How many of you got to resist? Now, you resist the devil long enough, you'll leave it alone. But too many of us, we don't like to resist much. 
Because let's be honest. When we do the thing, when we fulfill the flesh, it feels good, don't it? Oh, come on, y'all don't want to talk to me. I'm going to preach it anyway. If the flesh feels good, there's pleasure in sin for a season until it's time to pay up. You ever see the commercials? They show you all the, 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 the pretty people smoking cigarettes, but they never show you the one with the lady who had the hole in her throat, looking all jacked up. That's reality. The enemy, he always glorifies the wrong, and he minimizes the thing that he knows will help you and free you up to walk with God. And you will never get no freedom walking away from God. Do you hear me? As a kingdom citizen, you will, I don't care how hard you try, I don't care how many, you may tell me, listen, how many know the Bible says the wages of sin is what? But the gift of God is what? Life. So this is what God's word says. I will never get free. Listen to me. And, and I have, you may have moments of time, one year, two years, three years. You say, man, everything is going good. But at some point, the wages of sin is death. This is why we always got to preach the word. Because the word sets free. Are y'all hearing me? So if I love you, I got to tell you. Am I right about it? If I love you, I got to tell you the what? I got to tell you the truth. How I many know we got to tell each other the truth? The world don't define anything. God defines. I'm a citizen of the kingdom, and as a citizen of the kingdom, this is what God has called me to. Now watch. Are y'all still with me? Say amen. He says, abstain from fleshly lusts which wage against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as an evildoer, they may, be a, they, may, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. How many know that you're on an assignment? Y'all, y'all, stay with me. How many know that you're on an assignment from God? And as a person on an assignment, how many know that you don't have a, you know, you ever met somebody who's really like on, but they ain't got an agenda, they got work to do? When people really got, you know, they're on assignment, you know, usually they don't like to be distracted with a whole lot of stuff. How many know that when you're on assignment from God, you are focused? Jesus says, I got a baptism. And he said, I got, to, I got to do what God has called me. And he said, I am distressed until I accomplish what he told me to do. In other words, Jesus made sure that he stayed focused because your time on this earth is short. And I'm going to talk here in a moment about why it's important to make sure that you live the life that you, want to, you need to live right here on this earth. How many know it's important to have an eternal perspective? How many of you know it's, in, it's important that you have an eternal, eternal perspective? Look at this verse. Hebrews chapter number 11, verse 13 and 16. I got to run. I don't have much time. These all died in faith. Look at this, church. Not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were assured of them. How do you know that God delayed? Delay doesn't mean that God's, God denied anything. How do you know that everything God said is going to happen? Everything God said in his word is going to happen. All the promises God gave us through his word is going to happen. Are y'all hearing me? For those, watch this. <clears throat> but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. How do you know that every one of us should be saying, this is what I am. I'm a stranger. I'm a pilgrim. I'm only here temporarily. Don't listen. Do the math. How many of you like invest, investing? Is anybody here investing in anything? Is it, can I see, how many invest in mutual funds and stock? Come on. Come on. Do you want to know what the, the best thing you can invest in? Do the math. You want to live on this earth for an average, if you're blessed, but 60, 70, 80 years. 
How many know that compared to eternity is nothing? Are you hearing me? You're spending, listen, for those who spend all their money, all their time investing in the here and now, how many know, how many know that, that that doesn't measure up? Do the math. It's much better to invest in the things of God. I'll talk about that here in a moment. Watch. Verse 15, and truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they came out, they would have had an opportunity to return. They didn't want to go back. But now they desire a better. Everybody say better. That is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Come in, let, me, let me say this, church. Many of the Old Testament saints, they died believing God. They had their faith. And, and they, didn't get, they, didn't, they did not receive every promise that was given to them. They didn't receive every one of the promises. But they embraced them afar off. Everybody say afar off. They embraced them. They believed. They had an eternal perspective because they knew that God had prepared something better for them. How many of you believe God has prepared something better for you? How many of you believe that? Then how many know we need to live like it? Come on, church. Now, I want to talk a little bit about rewards. I, I got to do this. Just give me a few more minutes. Just be patient with me. How many know that we're going to be rewarded for what we do here on this earth? I'm going to read a couple of verses. Revelation 14, 13. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, write, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the spirit that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. All right. Y'all see it with me there? Revelation 22, 12. And behold, I'm coming quickly. Does anybody want Jesus to come quickly? He says, behold, I come quickly and my reward, everybody say reward, is with me to give everyone according to his work. Now, in Luke chapter number 19, verses 15 through 19, let me kind of set this up. So there was a man uh, who went to get a kingdom and he had 10 servants. He calls all these servants together and he gives them money and he gives them resources. And he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to do business till I come back. All right. So here in Luke chapter number 19, starting in verse number 15, the master comes back and now he wants he wants to give an account for what they did with his resources. Now, how many know that every time Jesus gave us parable, he was given a parable to relate a spiritual truth. Y'all got that? That's why he gave the parable. Jesus just didn't speak words to fall on the ground. Everything Jesus said, everything he did, there was divine purpose and protocol to it. Are you understanding what I'm saying today? Now watch. He says now, and so, and look at this, in verse number, in Luke chapter 19, verse 15, y'all stay with me on this. Don't go nowhere yet, please. Just, just stay patient. And so it was that, so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Watch this. Then came the first saying, Master, your miner has earned ten minus. And he said to them, Well done, good servant, because you were faithful in a very little. Have authority. Watch this, church. Look at, look at this. Have authority over ten cities. Oh, somebody missed that. Oh, and the second one came saying, Master, your miner has earned five minus. Likewise, he said to him, you also be over five cities. See, what's the point of the parable? The point of the parable is, watch this, church, we will be accountable for how we live and steward over what God has given us. Moreover, we're going to be rewarded. 
And the rewards of faithful service are linked to authority and rulership. So how you are doing it now is going to determine how you're going to serve God for all eternity. I don't know about you, but if I'm supposed to be ruling over 10 cities, I want every one of mine. I, I don't want Jesus to say to me, son, you could have had this, but because you were running around, staying at home, watching TV, asleep, serving your flesh, you could have had this, but because then you're going to get a half a city. How many know that we're going to rule over some stuff in heaven? Can I say this? Heaven is not a place where we're just going to get out there and just, just dance on the streets or go. Now people think we're going to go to heaven and just float around and just do this. No, we're going to, how many know it's the kingdom of God that rules? We're going to serve him forever. And how we serve him forever is based upon what you're doing right now. So you got to invest. That's why he said your works will follow you. In other words, how are you living now? What are you doing now? Now, let me take a step further. Paul gave, how many know your work is going to get tested? Every, every one of your works. Uh, let me give you a verse. Y'all still with me? Come on, just give me a few more minutes. I want, I want to teach this. Y'all with me? Stay with me. All right, watch this. In 1 Corinthians, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 11 through 15. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, verse 11 through 15. And the reason I'm doing this, because I want you to really get into your spirit. I don't want you to waste the time that God has given you. Because here's the deal. None of us know how much time we got really. And I know, if I know that what, how I serve God right now is going to determine how I'm going to serve him for eternity, I want to make sure that I'm giving God everything I got. And I want to make sure I'm giving it to him with the right heart, the right spirit, and the right motive. Because I want to be blessed. Anybody want to be blessed? Watch this. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 through 15. Are you there? Look on the screen if you're not. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid which is Jesus Christ. We all got that. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation, watch this church, with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one will become, each one's work will become clear. How many know God knows everything? All right, you hear me? For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. Now, he used fire really as illustrative language to show that if our works are like wood, hay, and stubble, it's going to burn up. If it's not where it should be, we're going to suffer reward. Now, understand that Christians, that there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. When we get before the beamer seat of Christ, it is about rewards. Do you understand that? It's about we're going to be, listen, we're going to be rewarded. We're going to gain or we're going to lose based upon your stewardship right here and now. This is why you want to be a good steward. Are, are you hearing me? Watch. For each one work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. And if anyone's work which he has built on, it endures, he will receive a reward. But look at this. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet as though through fire. Now, how many know the wood, hay, and stubble, that usually burns up by fire? But gold, silver, and precious stone, it lasts. Are you hearing me? See, watch this. See, if you got wrong motives, 
If you serve God and you say, you know, you're mad because you come, how I many know, if you're serving God and you're mad about it, you don't have the right heart, you don't have the right spirit, and you're doing a sloppy job at it, and you're, doing, you're half-hearted at it, how I many know you're going, to be, you're going to lose reward? You follow me? Whatever you do, that's why the Bible says, whatever you do, do heartily as unto the Lord and not to men. Because you serve the Lord Christ. And how you serve the Lord Christ is going to set you up for eternity. Is there anybody in here that have been investing in eternity? We got investments and stocks and everything else. But have you been investing in eternity? Do you have a great heart? Do you have a great spirit? Do the things that God has asked you to do, do you, are you walking in obedience to him? How many know that all of these things, yeah, well, you know what, well, and this, this is how some folks, some Christians live. Well, you know what, man, I, I, I like to play around a little sin every now and then, you know, but, but I'm still saved. You might be, but boy, you're going to regret it. I believe, you know, the Bible says that God's going to wipe away every tear. I believe some of those tears are going to be from some Christians that didn't do what they were supposed to be doing who lost reward. I mean, no, we don't want to, you don't want to lose your reward. Because our works follow us. So what I want us to understand is Christ has raised us from the dead. He's given us a whole new life. Now we're part of this kingdom of God. We're a citizen of the kingdom. And now we need to make sure that what we do now prepares us for eternity. This is what this is about. Everything you're doing right now is preparation for the next life. So this is why you need to serve well. This is why you need to make sure you have a great attitude. And you don't do it for pastor. You do it for him. You obey God not because I said obey. You obey because he said obey. Are y'all hearing me? God is your motivation for what you do, not people. You love people, but the inspiration for what, listen, the reason why I put up with some folk is because God told me to. If God release me, I'll go off on you. You won't even recognize I'll go off on you like a wild man. I'll beat you down. That's, I told you, your flesh is still the flesh. It knows where it was. I used to do stupid stuff like that. But what I'm saying is, God, listen, God said, this is where I want you to live. I don't want to lose my reward. I don't want to, listen, I don't want to come here and do a halfway job of preaching and prep and preparing and thinking, oh, they ain't going to show up anyway, so I'm just going to just throw it out there. How many know I'm going to lose a reward? I'm going to do what I do. Listen, if I'm preaching to five, if I'm preaching to 25,000, it's going to be the same. Because I serve the same God. And I don't want to lose my reward. Are you hearing me? So you want to invest in the kingdom and start with your money. Now, I'm going to say that again. I'm going to say that to preach that demon up out of here. Start with your money. You can't get free. You're not really a servant the way you need to be until you get off of your money. And y'all know that, I listen, I'm not after people's money. Crystal can tell you I don't have any. Listen, I'm talking, I'm talking what I live. This is kingdom stuff. Because one of the ways that you know whether or not you're serious about God is and you're serious about the kingdom and you're investing in all those right things is you give God your pocketbook. You say, Lord, take it. And you ain't mad about it. Am I right? Can the church say amen to that? Now, that's a good place to start. Because when you start there, it would be amazing how you see everything else will follow. Because stuff you use to follow your pocketbook. Am I right about it? I can tell some of y'all, oh, hurry up and get up off of that. You know, I just get emboldened when I see your faces. I really do. Because I want you free. I don't, I don't need, listen, I don't want your money. 
I don't do this because, listen, I, listen, I could, listen, I could be home. I could be doing some other stuff. I don't do this for my, listen, I don't get nothing really. Most of everything we get, we put into the church so that we can try to reach the community out there. I want you to invest in the kingdom because I want your works. Your works are going to follow you. Your works are going to follow you. What you do, how you do it, with the right motives. Are you happy? Are you mad? Are you yelling at people? Are you screaming at people? As Tara would say, are you even saying hello to your brothers and sisters in Christ? God sees all that, you know? He sees all that. Finally, I was going to read another verse, but I don't don't have time. 2 Peter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3 says this. Verse number 11, look at this. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, In other words, now we know the conclusion of the matter. Come on, brother. Come on. Now we know the conclusion of the matter. This says, all these things will be dissolved. Watch this. What manner of persons are we to be? How many know God has set you up for success? Ain't that great? I mean, church, y'all ought to get excited. Wake up. God has set us up for success. And you are a part. The Bible says, Behold what manner of love that God has bestowed upon us that we can be called, that we are called the children of God. I'm a part of God's family. You're a part of God's family. You are my brother. You are my sister. You know, we're locked together for eternity. So you got to learn how to like me. You got to love me. Figure it out. But we got to love each other, right? We got, I don't have no choice. I have to. Yes, and some of you is harder than others. You would say the same, I know. But we got to do it because we're part of the family of God. I'm a part of, listen, we're citizens of the kingdom. And so we got to represent well. I mean, no, we got to represent. We got we to gotta, we sanctify ourselves. We got to be holy. We got to do all the things he wants us to do. We want to make sure that what we're doing today, that, that we're setting ourselves up so that when we get to heaven, that we can hear him say, here's the words, boy, I, I dream this in my sleep. I want to hear Jesus say to me, well done. Good. Good. Oh, but I put in a lot of work in this thing. I've been working for years. I've been working before I became a pastor. I put a lot of work. I've been crying. I've been slaving. I've been working. There have been tears. It's been hard. I put a lot into this. All I want to hear him say is, well done good and faithful servant. I'm faithful because he called me. I'm faithful because I know he's with me. I'm faithful because I know I'm going to see him someday. I'm faithful. I do what I'm supposed to do because I'm going to be rewarded based on how I serve him. And I don't know about you, but anything I get anyway, I'm going to lay it down at his feet. I'm faithful because he's been so good to me. And I want to use every opportunity. Trust me. I want to go. How many know it's time to go all out? If you're sitting here today and you've been just kind of lollygagging along, you've been partly serving God, stop the madness. You are accountable now for what you heard. Make sure that what you do have kingdom significance. Are you hearing me? Are y'all seeing my passion? Make sure that what you do 
there's some kingdom significance attached to it and go all the way out for Jesus. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. And when I see you on the other side, you're going to look at you and say, Pastor, thank you for keeping me in them extra 15 to 20 minutes in church when I wanted to get out of here. Thank you for telling me to go all out because look what God did. Look what he did. Oh, I didn't if I didn't love him. Jesus did so much for us. And it's amazing when I think about his love, when I think about his goodness. When I think about all the, when I think about myself, and I think about how many times I let him down. And yet he keeps on being good to me. The times when I failed him, the times when I'd done stupid stuff, he was still there, never left me. He said, just agree with me, son. Get back on the bike and keep trotting along. You keep going. And he stands back and he's, he's my, he says, go. Run. Run for me. Run, son. Go. I just don't want you to waste precious time. The time is short. There was a gentleman at another church I was at. He was an elder of the church. He stood up one day and he preached about the, uh, he was not preaching, but he was, uh, it was kind of like an altar call. He was just kind of talking about how he wanted to make his life count for Jesus. And all of that. And this guy was probably like in his late 40s, maybe. And, and he goes home and, and I find out the guy died. He just dropped dead. He dropped dead. sitting here, you think you got 60 years, you don't know. You may only have five. And some of us adults, we know we ain't been serving God half the time the way we should and so we better start today and say, you know what, I'm going to do what I, I'm going to do. I'm going to go all out. I'm going to give him everything I got. I'm going to serve him well. I'm going to make sure that the time that God has given me on this earth Sometimes we get out of whack, we get out of focus, you know, we get, you know, we get out of balance because we're being pulled in so many directions. But can I say to you that whatever you give to God, this is why the Bible says that you can be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the works of the Lord. Isn't that a good news? Because you can, you can always abound in the works of the Lord. Because it, it won't be for nothing. I'm going to win if I serve. I'm going to win if I serve. Every head is bowed, every eyes closed. Father in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that you rose from the dead. God, that you put your life on the inside of us. God, that you gave us hope. Oh, God. God, thank you, Jesus, for saving us. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us perspective. Thank you, Jesus, for pulling us out of darkness. And 
Thank you, Jesus, for being patient with us. And thank you, Jesus, for, for giving us the opportunity to invest in the things of God so that we can serve you with distinction and honor forever.